0: Welcome into this edition of the Pigpen Podcast. My name is Denton Day at Detton underscore Day. If this is your first time listening, be sure to subscribe to the Hogs Haven Podcast feed wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and of course. Go on and become a member of our site at hogshaven.com. We have quite a bit to discuss today. The Redskins just got shut out this weekend. I'm not happy, not surprised, but not happy about it. And we have to talk about the future of Dwayne Haskins because at this point in time, I do have a few questions. We're going to start with the game stuff, though, first. I feel like that's the more important thing. That's the more newsworthy thing. Like I said, follow me on Twitter at Denton underscore Day. Redskins fall to the 49ers 9-0. They have gone a full calendar year, a full 365 without a home win. That stings. That stings just a little bit. Since they were 6-3, and the Redskins are now 0-7 at home, and they have been outscored 199-82. to Talk about a damn good culture right there. Which, by the way, at least on this podcast, we are running that phrase into the ground. I'm going to use it until I don't want to use it anymore. And spoiler alert, I'm going to use it a lot because it was a dumbass thing that Bruce Allen said. And that kind of sums up what the team is right now. This is terrible. They're so bad. Like I want them to be so good, but the organization is run so poorly right now that it manifests itself the poor running of the organization manifests itself onto the field. This is their second shutout. Their second shutout in eight games. That's 25% of the last eight games they've played they have not scored a single point in. And last year, it kind of made a little bit of sense. They were on like their 18th starting quarterback. Everyone was hurt. It was the final game of the season. Nobody, People were just there to collect a check at that point. But at this point, like it's only week seven. I know we're just about out of contention now. We just—I mean—we're one in six, so we're kind of out of it now. But the idea shouldn't be that we're just completely out of it, and we don't score. And the weather did play a factor in some of that, also. Kudos to every Redskins fan that was there. I know there wasn't a lot of them because I saw way too many 49er jerseys. Although, at least to the common eye, the colors are similar. So, people may have thought, hey, Redskins fan showing up here if they were watching it. Um, and they just ha- happened to flip to it. Although, there was a bunch of weird colors because of ponchos and stuff like that. If you went to that game and you spent your hard-earned money and basically you t- utilized all of your Sunday on-, on going to that game, more power to you. I appreciate your fandom. And... Uh, I'm praying for you when you're sick, because I would imagine if you went to that game, you probably woke up on Monday morning with a little bit of a scratchy throat and maybe a little bit of a uh, a head cold there, because it probably just wasn't a great environment to be standing out there for. Thankfully, the game was only two and a half hours because the Redskins, wearing their 1930s uniform, kind of went back to a 1930s style of offense. And side note here, while I don't necessarily hate the uniforms that we wore against San Francisco, I kind of dig them, I don't dig them as much as some people do, but I do dig them a little bit. I am eagerly waiting, and patiently waiting, for the day that we go back to the Spear logo as our alternate. We need to bring back the Spear logo. Even if it's just for one game, just bring the Spear logo back, and maybe just maybe good things will happen. But we got to talk about the game itself, and that's kind of where the good things happening stop. The first drive I thought was great. I cannot remember a time where the Redskins ran seven consecutive run plays. Adrian Peterson had six of the seven carries. The problem was he had 20 for the game. So over 25% of his carries came on the first drive. And that first drive, as you can tell by the score, resulted in zero points because we missed a field goal. So we started off good. Things were rolling. The 49ers defense, which is a great defense, they were on their toes a little bit. They didn't expect us to run, and they didn't expect us to have success in the run that we did on that first drive. And then we missed the field goal. It completely let all of the air out of the proverbial balloon that we had. And we really didn't get a great drive going for the rest of the first quarter. Or the first half, really. We had about we had three we had two good drives. It should have been three because we didn't capitalize on the Troy Apke. Interception return, which just in general, the fact that Troy Apke was able to come down with an interception and we didn't capitalize on it, that sucks. But the fact that Troy Apke got an interception, I mean, that's fantastic news. We just didn't do anything with it, which sucks. You got to capitalize off those turnovers. And then we had the other drive where everything was seemingly going pretty well. And then Adrian Peterson fumbled the ball. It's been his Achilles heel for the majority of his career. He's always had some form of issue fumbling the football. It hasn't been too, too bad in his days here, but there was a point in time in Minnesota that was like the big issue with Adrian Peterson. He's running for these wicked games, but he was still fumbling the football. Uh, So that reared its ugly head and more or less kept us off the scoreboard. I don't know if we were going to score on that drive, but we certainly had a better chance to score on that drive than we did any of the other drives aside from the first one. So that, the fumble came at a pretty bad time. Case Keenum's line was oh so unimpressive. 9 of 12, 77 yards. It looked like Case Keenum had no interest in throwing the football. He did not want to throw the football. And part of that could be the play calling because we only threw the ball 12 times. But Case Keenum did not want to throw the ball. He just didn't. And the weather, I get it. It's rainy. The ball is probably heavy. I don't play quarter I don't often just find myself playing catch in the rain, so I'm not used to throwing a wet football. I would I would totally believe you if you said that throwing a wet football sucks. I'm sure that throwing a wet football is terrible. But I'm also sure that a professional quarterback should be capable of throwing a football in the rain. And throwing 12 times is not how you beat a good defense in 2019. Because despite the fact that the 49ers are now 6-0, and despite the fact that they might be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, we can argue back and forth on that one, this was a game that the Redskins could have won. And that's maybe the most painful thing about this loss, because their offense really wasn't spectacular. I was not very impressed with Jimmy Garoppolo. I have yet to be very impressed with him this season. Their defense, I think, is awesome, but Jimmy Garoppolo has been very unimpressive this season. He didn't look great against us yesterday. This was a game that we could have won and probably should have won, but our offense wasn't balanced, and we didn't get the ball into our playmaker's hands. And the guy that I'm talking about, the main guy, the one guy that we need to make a conscious effort to get the ball in his hands is Terry McLaurin. He was thrown at twice. Two times. Two times Terry McLaurin was thrown out, and one of them was a stupid screenplay because we couldn't move the ball down the field. And I don't know if that's a Callahan issue. I don't know if that's a KOC issue. It might be a combination of all of them and Case Keenum. But they could not throw the football. As unimpressive as Jimmy Garoppolo looked, he still threw the ball 21 times. San Francisco was still running routes. They were making real throws down the field. Case Keenum threw 12 times and at least six of them, it looked like he was pushing it. It looked like he was shooting a floater in basketball. He's just pushing the ball and hoping that it makes its way into the arms of a Redskin. And it did on nine times, but we need to throw more than 12 times to win. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care at what level this is. You need to throw more than 12 times to win a football game. Maybe Case is still recovering from the injury. I don't really know. I don't know why they decided to sit Colt McCoy in in favor of Case Keenum. All of these questions, I don't really have full, honest answers to. But what I do know is that our quarterback did not seem to have any intention of actually throwing the ball in a football game, which is kind of part of part of his job. If we just wanted to hand the ball off, we literally could have put Adrian Peterson or Smallwood back there in the Wildcat formation and just say, hey, guys, have at it. Let's just see what happens. But your quarterback should be throwing the football. If he cannot throw the football in the rain, you take the quarterback out. It should be that simple. Because we had another guy in Dwayne Haskins, and we're going to talk a little bit about him in in the back end of this podcast, but we had another guy that maybe could have been able to throw more than 10 yards down the field in the rain. And I'm not saying they win the game with it, but they probably have a lot better of a chance to actually put points on the board if you have a guy that is capable of throwing more than 10 yards down the field. This isn't rocket science here. Like it is 2019, you have to throw the football to win, or you have to create turnovers on defense and score off those turnovers. The Redskins did neither of those things, hence the reason they got shut out. Another thing that I noticed... And I'm not the only one that noticed this, but it is rearing its, its ugly head. We have to stop with the Steve Sims Jr. jet sweep every single, every single game. It worked one time against New England. It was a great play. It stopped us from being shut out in that game. So we are one play away from being shut out in three of our last eight games. It stopped us from being shut out there, but we don't need to constantly do it every single game now. Because it kind of feels like they try it once a half and it's only really worked once. There might be one other time where you got like like a 15-yard gain on the play. But it's not a play that we need to implement every single week. He's a great player. He's a great playmaker. Put the hand, put the ball in his hands. But we don't have to use the same jet sweep every single time. It just doesn't work. So I heard the, uh, the radio call. Unfortunately, I don't have the actual sound of the radio call. But if you notice the game, I mean, it was wet. There were guys sliding all over the field. Larry Michael was not pleased with the 49ers doing the slip and slide celebration after sacking Case Keenum. He was not happy at all. So let the record show as of October twentieth, 2019, slip and slide, not skin tangibles. Never those are not skin tangibles. They will never be skin tangibles. I just want the record to show that. He was pissed. He was saying, Oh, the Redskins are gonna remember this. Are they? I mean, are they? I get that that Larry's, you know, it it hurts him to the core to see that a little bit, but we got a lot of other things to fix before we worry about the 49ers slipping and sliding on our very, very wet field, a field that's already pretty terrible based on conditions, and now it's just a swamp. If they want to slip and slide after holding us to a shutout, slip and slide all the hell you want. If you can't score, you can't get mad at somebody for celebrating, but you're not scoring. That's as simple as it should be. And now, on a short week, we have the Vikings who have done nothing but score the past three weeks. It's it's going to be a very very interesting game. But now that we're done with the game stuff, we're not really a whole lot to break down. Like I'm not going to sit here and talk about third down run plays or second down whatever. We're we're not, we're not doing that here. We lost nine to nothing. We are one and six. The game was hard to watch. Thank God it was only two and a half hours, but it was a hard game to watch. Bill Callahan said something very interesting after the game, though, and it's all about the future of the quarterback position. And after the current starting quarterback threw the ball for just 77 yards, 50 total yards when you account for sacks and things of that nature, 50 total yards passing, Bill Callahan is still rocking and rolling with Case Keenum. Yeah, I think Dwayne's still learning, and uh, I think he'd be the first one to tell you that. And we still have faith, total faith in Case and his abilities, you know, to manage this offense and run this offense and execute everything within it. So, uh, you know, we're moving forward with Case at this juncture. This brings up so many questions. So many questions. That was he watching the same game that we just watched? Was he openly making observations from the game on Sunday. And I'm not saying you start Dwayne Haskins against Minnesota. In fact, I'm explicitly saying, please do not start him against Minnesota. Throwing the rookie quarterback to the Wolves on a short week, bad idea. But after the Minnesota game, at a certain point, we have to realize as an organization What good does it actually do to redshirt Dwayne Haskins with this team? And you can bring up every single past example of a successful redshirt or multiple years of redshirting in the NFL. A lot of great quarterbacks sat their first year. Mahomes, Rodgers sat for a couple years. Vic sat for a little bit his first year. Brady sat a while. Bring up every example you would like. Please, I beg you. But that is, not the, that is not the situation we are dealing with here. Because at what point, what really is Dwayne Haskins learning from a game where your quarterback throws 12 times for 77 yards? What is he learning in that situation? Because we have to be honest with ourselves. If we are going to redshirt him, we're not redshirting him with Alex Smith. It would be completely different if Alex Smith was the starting quarterback of this team. He is not. He's on the roster. We're paying him, but he is not the starting quarterback of this team. That makes it completely different because then Dwayne Haskins is learning from a guy that has had success in the regular season and a bit of success in the postseason, a real veteran of this league. That's a guy to learn from. That worked great with Patrick Mahomes. Like, that's the link between those two situations. But right now, he's sitting behind Case Keenum and Colt McCoy. The team is 1-6. Probably going to be 1-7, I'm not saying 100%. Could be a trap game. But probably going to end up 1-7 after the game against Minnesota. What more does he need to learn from the sidelines that he can't learn from actually being out there? Is it his inability to call plays? That's something I've seen thrown around quite a bit. Is that is that what's holding him back? Because is he really learning from that on the sideline? I'm not 100% sure that he is. I get every single point for pro-sit Dwayne Haskins and Redshirt him. I get every single one of them. But for every single point, there's a counterpoint. And the biggest counterpoint of them all is that this team doesn't have great guys to learn from. And that's not even intentionally a knock against Keenum or Colt McCoy. But those guys aren't great veteran leaders who have played multiple years at a high level in this league. They're just not. Colt McCoy has been a backup here for like six years. Does he know the offense? Absolutely. Are there things that Colt McCoy can teach Dwayne Haskins? Absolutely. But there are also things that Dwayne Haskins needs to just learn by himself. And there's also a reason that Colt McCoy has been a backup for six years here. And he's been a backup other places too. So that's not even accounting for those other places. The Vikings moved on from Case Keenum for a reason. They thought the guy that we had was better than him. The, the Broncos, they moved on from Case Keenum for a reason. They wanted washed up Joe Flacco over him. At a certain point, the people and the decision makers in this organization have to realize that Dwayne Haskins just needs to play to learn. We are done with all this nonsense. Well, it's for the best, best position to win for the football team. We're not winning. We're not. Put Haskins out there. The offensive line has actually been pretty decent when they're not holding people. Surprisingly, the left side of that line, despite the fact that there is no Trent Williams there, it's held up pretty good. Eric Flowers, big surprise. Probably the biggest surprise the entire year. That left side has worked. Let Dwayne Haskins get in there after the Minnesota game. Don't want him to play against Minnesota. It's a bad move. Let him get out there. Let him get some reps. Let him get some real reps in game speed. I know he only played one year at Ohio State, and you can kind of hang that over his head a little bit because very rarely do quarterbacks who played one year of college have real success in the NFL. I get that. That's a direct shot at Mitch Trubisky. I get that. But let this guy play. Let him get in there. And let's see if hopefully... You were right in drafting him at the spot that you did, and hopefully there is some sort of real future in Dwayne Haskins. I would like to think that there is. I'm optimistic that there is, but we need to be able to see that before we go into next year's draft. I'm not saying I want Dwayne Haskins to be Josh Rosen 2.0, but if what we see from him this year in a real with a real a real amount of games like a real real tape on the kid if what we see from him is not enough to convince us like hey you know what this guy might not be the guy then we can make him Rosen 2.0 and do its best for the franchise like I said I don't want that to happen I hope Dwayne Haskins is the future I hope he is he has a great arm people say he can't read defenses he makes a differ I've seen his college tape he can Did a pretty damn good job at Ohio State. But we need to have real NFL tape on him to see, is this actually what we got here, or do we need to move on? But not against the Vikings. We're not going to do a huge, big preview against the Vikings. But I am going to talk about it a little bit, because I am very, very scared of that Vikings offense. Kirk Cousins, just in the nick of time, is on one of the best three-game stretches of his career. He is firing on all cylinders right now, just in time to take on his former team. In primetime, by the way. So there's kind of a a catch-22 there. What breaks first? Kirk Cousins' primetime struggles or the Redskins' primetime struggles? And I got a very, very bad feeling. Kirk Cousins' primetime struggles are going to be nowhere to be found. We are not going to see a whole lot of those on Thursday. That is, it's a terrible feeling. It's in my gut, though. I'm trusting my gut on that. I don't think we're going to see a lot of struggles from Kirk Cousins on primetime when we are the guys that he's facing. For whatever reason, our primetime struggles seem to conquer everybody else's primetime struggles, namely Kirk Cousins. Granted, we're not a winning team, so it's not the full effect of a primetime struggle against a winning team that Kirk Cousins has going on there. But it is going to be just a little bit of salt on the wound when Kirk Cousins not only ditches the primetime struggles, but throws for like five touchdowns in the process against his former team. That's going to hurt just a little bit. I'm preparing for it, but it's going to hurt. I, I'm, the positivity and the optimism that I have for Thursday is going to be revolving solely around the Nationals because I think they could be up 2-0. You know, we're we're staying in the fight. We're riding or dying. At the very least, it's going to be 1-1 on Thursday. So I'm cool with that. As long as it's 1-1 or 2 over in favor of the Nats going into that game, Kirk Cousins can do whatever the hell he wants. But I think we as fans just need to mentally prepare. In the, in the off chance that you're not a Nationals fan but are a Redskins fan. Just mentally prepare for the whooping that Kirk Cousins is probably going to deliver against us. It's not going to be good. I would suggest maybe if you're a a true fan that hates those sort of things, don't watch TV on Friday because when Cousins throws for four or five touchdowns against us, the headlines are not going to be great. Not at all. All right, so that's going to kind of wrap up everything we got going on here. As we get a little bit closer to the trade deadline and as Trent Williams uh, is still not traded, we will have another podcast just kind of ranting. So just kind of plan for that. It's going to be a full-blown rant on the Trent Williams saga and how Bruce Allen continues to be a a buffoon, just a complete and utter moron on the situation. So that is going to come at some point. And the off chance that Trent Williams does get traded, well, we'll have a reaction to that. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it will involve multiple first-round picks. But like I said, Bruce Allen, he's a moron. He's going to find a way to screw it up. But that ends this episode of the Pigpen Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Denton underscore Day. I'd love to hear any of your thoughts on the topics that we covered today. And like I said, just be prepared for Thursday. It is not going to be a good time. I can promise you that. All right, I'll see you next time on the Ben Podcast.